This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, Johnny SmartPoint, John Carlson, will pay us a visit and have a look at some of the latest conditions in Metro Vancouver real estate. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. And we begin with a story this hour that I know our next guest will have something to say about, too. The latest National Housing Survey by Royal LePage is out, and there are some interesting findings and predictions regarding newcomers to Canada. The report states newcomers buy 21% of houses and are likely to buy over 680,000 of them in the next five years. Now, while prices may still be correcting in Vancouver and to a lesser extent Toronto, nationally, activity is picking up and some are predicting a rally in the last quarter of this year, our next guest included. The survey people talked to newcomers across Canada and found the largest concentration, 48% in Ontario. Ontario, in Toronto and Ottawa mostly, Quebec is the second most favored destination for newcomers at 19%. BC is number three with 13%. But here in BC is the highest number of newcomers who buy property at 89%, most of whom arrive here with cash ready to buy. The situation in Hong Kong is a classic example of newcomers ready to move here and settle in quickly. And remember, there are 320,000 Canadians currently living in Hong Kong. And we already know 35,000 newcomers arrive every year in Metro Vancouver. Another food recall to tell you about this weekend, and this time it's processed meat products from Ontario, which were distributed across Canada, including B.C. The two products are a salami called Abruzzo Sopressata Venetian and Filicetti Italian Sausage. And both are being recalled due to a risk of salmonella contamination. Now, so far, no illnesses have been reported by anyone using the products. The recalls have been triggered by test results. But the Canadian Food Inspection Agency recommends if you have either product in your home, either the Abruzzo Soppressata Venetian or the Filicetti Italian Sausage, you should either throw them out or return it to the place of purchase. This is the third phone scam story we've reported on in just two months. Fall seems to be the kickoff to scam season. And this week, Vancouver police are warning of a new twist to an old plot. The twist is technical and sneaky, too, as fraudsters call people posing as revenue department employees. And strangely, ask for the number of the police department. So the victim falls for it passes along that number, and then shortly after, receives a call from, quote, the police department. And here's the sneaky part. They have a way to show the police non-emergency number on your phone's call display, which can easily fool people. So then the bad guys tell the victim their social insurance number is being used to create credit accounts with big balances, and the victim is now responsible for those balances and must pay immediately by Bitcoin or gift cards. Okay, here's the warning. Police Never call looking for money from the non-emergency number. First, because that number is reserved for citizens to report incidents to police. And secondly, because no government agency anywhere will ask for either Bitcoin or gift cards 
as a means of payment, ever. Vancouver police say, if you get such a call, hang up right away. Better still, after you hang up, call the cops and then connect with the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. You can do that online or by phone and let them know you've had an attempt on your personal security. We'll check a few more consumer stories as this hour goes along. John Carlson is on deck with another look at Metro Vancouver real estate. That's coming right up right here on Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, and it's always a pleasure to welcome Johnny Smartpoint to the program. John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation, is in the house. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon. Thanks again, Sterling. It's good to have you with us. Now, the first story that I did this hour was this big uh, survey by Royal LePage. They do a couple every year, and this is the Newcomer Survey. It's just been out a couple of days. And, of course, here in the gateway to, to Canada, we're kind of familiar with newcomers. It's, it's a part of our... Our daily reality. But they, it's interesting the way the story is, is playing out, John, because they're predicting quite confidently that newcomers are going to buy well over 600,000 homes in Canada, right across the country, in the next five years. That's a meaningful number. I think they should give them all my phone number. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it is it is interesting. And, and you know, there's all kinds of stats. That's the funny thing. And when I talk to people, uh, you know, I go in their homes and they want to talk about the market or pricing, you know, they sometimes they'll pull out national sales stats sure. or statistics about financing. or And so really, you want to look at these things carefully and, and balance them out because we've had some gloomy news over the last maybe six or nine months in the market. Uh, but it's important to remember that Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley real estate is very much in demand and it will remain very much in demand for quite a long time. We may have our ups and downs in terms of policy changes. Oh, sure. In terms of, you know, urgency on the part of buyers. Do I want to buy now? Do I want to wait? What's going to happen? We've had our ups and downs and some pricing ups and downs. As we all know, we've been talking about those for for months and months. Exactly. But it's important to remember that this is a very desirable part of the world. And uh, people from all over the world look at Vancouver, again, as you said, the gateway to Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have to remember that even when things slow down a little bit, it's usually a temporary. I mean, there are cycles. But let's not forget, like you say, 35,000 newcomers per year to Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. And that's not a made-up number. That number, because you were leading on 30,000 a year. And then we had a guest come in from the Vancouver Water Department. These are the people who have to plan to supply us all for, for future needs. And they're already up to... 35,000 a year, John, in terms of their outlook for planning year after year down the road. So it's an even greater number that are pretty much guaranteed to show up every year. And that's just another reinforcement, at least to me in my mind, that Greater Vancouver, Fraser Valley real estate is going to remain strong and in demand. There will be ups and downs, oh, but sure. uh, real estate is a great long-term investment in well, this you, area. And you talked earlier about, you know, some gloomy news. It's not been the greatest year for, for screaming uh, headlines. Everything's going up, 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 because it hasn't been that kind of year. However, you have, throughout the course of this year, on this program, John, identified the, 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 the hesitation in the marketplace. A lot of people, as you say, have been sitting on their hands because of the changing conditions, not quite knowing what to make of them. So we'll just sit, we'll sit on the wings here, watch the dust settle. Right. Okay, but you have also predicted a much more active fourth quarter for 2019, and we're starting to see that already. We are. The stats are showing that September being uh, much better than September of 
of last year. Uh, and, you know, when I meet with people, sometimes we talk about stats and it's important to know statistics for September. Uh, fantastic. The number of sales up over 40% over the year before, mm-hmm. but that just crept up to the 10 year average. So we kind of climbed out of a little bit of a hole there, but I think really, you know, people don't want to wait forever. Uh, people are having kids, they're getting married. There are other reasons moving into the provinces. We talked in, you know, people might wait. It's not like the rental market is, is a fantastic place to park right now. That's a difficult situation for a lot of people. Absolutely. So, I find that, uh, you know, the sky hasn't fallen. Maybe there's been an adjustment in prices, but people seem to be jumping back in. And those signs started to hit us in the summer. And so my thoughts were that September, October, November of 2019 would be the strongest months of the year. And so far, what I'm seeing in September and October definitely ver- uh, bear that out. Interesting stuff. So let's talk about what you do, because uh, you've been around the block a few times. You're a member of the President's Club uh, last year again. And uh, the President's Club, friends, for those unfamiliar with the designation in the real estate business, is a person who who has uh, sold, is in the top 1% of uh, sales of properties in Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley over the course of a year. John was in that exclusive group last year and not for the first time either. You've been in the business 23 years. You've sold thousands of houses. So you're the kind of guy that a lot of people are going to want to seek out as this changing market continues to I mean the the only constant in Vancouver since you and I started doing this almost two years ago has been changed John it hasn't remained the same for longer than a month ever that's right and if you don't pay close attention on a regular basis it might be hard to keep up with some of those changes well exactly and that's my point if you're going to try and and figure your way out is it time to sell I mean we were planning on selling in May but everything went south in May so we decided we're going to park it and we'll come back to it maybe by Christmas time, except we're getting a little impatient. So maybe is it time to sell? Is it? Is it? I mean, you, uh, you, you don't know. You don't have all the answers. But when people sit down with you and ask for your opinion, you at least give them a straight answer. Absolutely. I, I like to tell people, I tell the truth as I understand it at all times. And, uh, you know, I meet with a lot of people and they ask me questions because there have been a lot of conflicting media reports and they've heard this from their neighbors or their friends or their family. And people, I think what they really need is they need an ally, someone mm-hmm. they can trust uh, and someone who is uh, equipped to give them the proper information and maybe even help uh, interpret it. Uh, but they want an ally on their side who can help them make good decisions. And uh, you asked me, what do I do? And my tag, Johnny Smart Point. I mm-hmm. mean, what's, all, what's that all about? So what is the Smart Point? Well, the smart point has to do with placing yourself in the market properly. Uh, That could be pricing, uh, you know, meeting with people and showing them maybe where their house compares, where it should be on the market. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. Any agent does that. But I think an experienced agent will be able to hopefully give better advice than than maybe an agent who hasn't been selling much lately. You know, there's different skill levels out there. But also, how do you market a property? And what kind of commission structure makes sense to be on the market? Because, you know, there's all kinds of things out there. You sure. can, uh, uh, as far as I know, uh, buy a sign and get put on MLS and have no representation and offer out a dollar selling commission. Uh, the most typical commission structures out there are 7% of the first hundred, two and a half of the balance. Mm-hmm. You see that a lot. It's yep. not the only structure. And I've worked under structures at seven and two and a half. I've worked under structures where we're offering half a percent commission. Uh, but what I find is... It's a very important part of the equation to make sure that you're positioning price-wise and you're making sure to attract the right kind of attention from other agents. And I'm not suggesting that agents don't show or do show properties based on commission. Right. But what I am suggesting is, similar to a price, if you position your price much too high or maybe you're asking for a bit too much, 
you may find it it works against you. And similarly, when offers come in, commission structures can be negotiable, and other agents may look to negotiate commissions, and all that's fine. Your starting point on that is often critical, because in my experience, if you were to maybe uh, be a little low, you may be inviting a, a brand new a negotiation, which may make it a little bit tougher to get your house sold. But on the other hand, people don't always want to pay these thirty, forty thousand $40,000 commissions because they say, hey, this business has changed. That's so, right. I help people the smart point in terms of how to position your home, marketing and strategy. And then really, uh, one of my unique positions as an agent is providing all the experience that you'd mentioned before. Sure. And, and, and you know, when an offer comes in, that's when a good agent really gets to work. You need to, just like having a good lawyer on your side to defend you if necessary, mm-hmm. I find even well-priced listings right now, you need to defend prices because buyers don't just come and throw out your asking price and say, here it is. They'll often try to negotiate a, a price, and they're unsure about the market to some degree as well. So, you know, aside from pricing, marketing, and working under a commission structure that saves people thousands of dollars compared to most of my competition, right? I provide the experience and help people defend their price and make sure all the terms are right so that when they're done with that sale, they are carefree, they're happy, they've got lots of money in their pocket, and they're ready to move on to the next phase, which may include purchasing another property, because you need all that money if you're buying in Greater Vancouver oh, or the Fraser Valley. Oh, moving always costs more money than you expect it to. I've moved just enough times to know that is a fact. No matter how careful a planner you are, when you move, it's going to cost you more than you expected. It's just the way things seem to work out. John, I wanted to pick up on a point you just made, talking about this negotiation of commissions thing. Right. I wonder how many people listening even understand that commissions are, in fact, negotiable. They're not etched in stone. They're not uh, necessarily. Now, having said that, uh, when when someone puts a property on MLS, a seller, they offer a commission and they can stand by that all they want. Uh, All I'm suggesting is everything is negotiable. And um, sometimes when an offer comes in from a buyer and the buyer's agent, uh, if it's a commission that might be, let's just say it was a dollar, it was one of these mere postings where there was no weight well, or maybe it's uh, something significantly less than other agents maybe are used to themselves, they might sit down with their buyer and say, hey, you know, buyers, you and I, we've looked at 30, 40 houses. You value what I do for you. This is kind of how I like to get paid on this property. And would you stand by me and put it in the offer? And it's not really the agents. It's because the offer is written by buyers. Right. The buyers are saying, we'd like our agent to get paid a little bit more money. So sometimes that can happen if you're not offering what you might typically see out there. And again, nothing unethical about this. This is just one more reason why you need an experienced agent who can help you and defend your position on price and commission because everything is negotiable out there. And the smart point again comes down to what's the best way to get this done and put the most money in your pocket? And some of these topics I've talked about, pricing, marketing, strategy, offers... I help people interpret the information that's out there and make good decisions in these key areas. And when that happens, generally you're looking at a very good result and people saving money and being very satisfied. I hate to harp on a point, but you know, when you sit down with people uh, who have heard you here on CKNW and say, say to themselves, you know, he sounds like a, a pretty decent sort of fellow. We'd, we should have a chat with him. And, and they come and they start talking about commissions and that sort of thing uh, and, and sort of get into it a little bit, learning the roles and the ropes and how things work. Most of us, John, move and buy and sell property maybe, maybe three or four, maybe six times 
times in ent- our entire life. And the, the gaps between those sales and moves, and they're long. So right. we lose touch with the market. Sure, we read the paper. Sure, we listen to the news and watch TV. But, you know, if you're not in the market on a daily basis, you're not connected. So it's time to make that move that we've, we've now been postponing since May. So now we're going to sit down with the nice man from the, the radio and talk about, well, the whole package. And, and wondering, again, about commissions. And suppose now, because you operate on a lower commission structure overall... Than the majority of the competition out there. That, that's right. Yes. But then the concern would be, me sitting across the kitchen table from you, um, um, is my place going to get seen by other agents, some of whom may balk at those lower commission offerings? Well, I don't see necessarily an agent balking or not showing, but it Sometimes, here, here's one theory I have. There's only so much goodwill capital that you have in a transaction. I mean, I've seen million-plus-dollar properties fall apart because somebody wanted the, you know, the seller's stereo, and they had a big battle over that, and the deal just fell apart over it. Right. Uh, you can burn your goodwill in an offer, depending on how you handle it. So uh, if it comes down to a market like this, where pricing is important and buyers are looking for every bit of value they can get, mm-hmm. and uh, they are writing offers that are a lot more, uh, let's say, cautious in terms of price than they might have a year or two ago, that's the big focus. And yes, you know, you can save money on commissions, uh, depending on the structure you're at, compared to the majority of the, uh, the structures out there. But you want to be careful, in my humble opinion, that uh, you know, certain markets may be compared to the standard, or no, there is no standard, but compared to the most typical average commission structures out there, you know, my structure, I'll save people 30 or 40%. Trying to save 60 or 70% might be a bit of a problem. It may work, but it may not. And right. so, again, given my experience level, I've positioned myself to, again, give the best advice I can and provide the results that I provide and save people money uh, at the smart point. And that's what I talk about when I meet people. What makes the most sense? And I can just give them my opinions. But again, I've had quite a bit of experience here. You want an agent that's working right now and knows the market so he or she can defend you as a seller and get the maximum results. Um, And you probably, I mean, a lot of people call me and they say, John, you know, I, I don't really understand why people would spend X amount of dollars on commission. My neighbor sold and he sold in 20 or 30 days. And wow, that's a lot of money. That's my equity. And let's face it. There's all kinds of business models, the internet companies from the States, all kinds of things are changing in this industry. And people say, Hey, what do I do? Do I go out and throw it on this website? Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I buy a sign and stick it on my yard and put my phone number on it? Put the house on Craigslist. There's all kinds of things out there and this is changing. (laughs) And this is, this is the kind of information people need. What do I do, John? What do you recommend to get us the most money in our pocket and have this go smoothly. And that's where I put my 23 years experience to work. And I say, here are some suggestions. And, uh, you know, we go through the information. And at the end of the day, my job is to make sure that those sellers, first of all, feel good about the experience, but they feel armed. They feel empowered because uncertainty is your enemy. If you're selling a host and an offer comes in and you're not really sure, it's going to be difficult to make a good response to that. But if you're well prepared and you have all the information on your side and you're confident in your positioning, well, then maybe you feel a little bit better about the counteroffer you're putting there and uh, the results are going to be better. Because again, in that negotiating process, commission aside, a good agent can make you money. Uh, And again, that's what my goal is. 604-612-0080. Write this one down. If you're driving, I'll just repeat it so you can remember it. 604-612-0080. That's John Carlson's number. Lots more with John after the news. 
Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson. Johnny Smartpoint in the house. And John, during the newscast, we had a cup of coffee and a chat, and you talked about Vancouver these days being a two-tiered market. What does that mean? Well, this is my own term, Okay, so I'll, I'll first admit that. But what I'm seeing, what I mean by that is we have uh, a price-sensitive market where not everything is selling. And um, when I look out there, I see uh, listings, some of them that are, that are in the success zone, I call it. Okay. Uh, and uh, for instance, when I do an evaluation for people, I might meet and say, hey, let's look in the last two or three months in this general area. Let's look at what's sold. Let's look at what's active on the market. And let's look at maybe some listings that didn't sell. Maybe they were terminated or they expired, you know, unsuccessfully, that sort of thing. And what I find is... Um, you know, and I'll be general here, but we may have uh, five recent sales that sold all of them within 30 days, 12 days, eight days, 26 days on the market. They Mm -hmm. sold relatively quickly. That is one tier of the market. People who are on the market, they're understanding what's selling and what price ranges, you know, are, will work for their property. And then the other tier of the market, I'll look at maybe what's active or what didn't sell, and you'll see properties, well, it's been on the market 250 days, and the price hasn't changed much, or it's dropped a couple of times. So when I say a two-tiered market, uh, you know, I really mean there are two different types of properties, those that are really positioned properly to sell. I'm not talking about giving them away or leaving money on the table. I'm talking about getting full current market value but they're not overshooting it by fifty dollars or $100,000 or whatever it might be for their price range. Some of those other properties that may be challenged, maybe the location's not as good or condition or for whatever reason, and their price is higher than the rest. I mean, I've had people say to me, hey, well, let's just put, it, put the price here and, and people can make an offer. Yeah, I know I need new carpets and I know I need this and I know I'm on the back and onto the train tracks and the highways on the other side, but you know, people can make an offer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess they could, but you have to remember in a market where buyers are comparison shoppers and they've got a lot of choice and they know that pricing is somewhat soft, Right? why would you make an offer on property B when property A is the same price and it's bigger, newer, better location-wise, or two properties are similar and one's just priced $50,000 higher? So, again, pricing and marketing and promotion, because if you do have good benefits that you need people to know, that's where the marketing comes in. We need to educate people and demonstrate value. But again, it's a two-tiered market. Properties that are selling and they're in the successful price zone where buyers, somebody, not everybody, you only have to sell to one person. That's right. But at least somebody says, hey, this one is worth my time. I'm going to make a run at this one because I think the property suits me. The value proposition makes sense to me. And that's a big one. And then again, there's those other properties maybe that are on the market a long, long, long time and nothing happens. And then, you know, as an agent, you might get calls, uh, you know, hey, just looking at this property, it looks okay, but what's wrong with it? It's been on the market. My client's wondering why it's... So you got to be careful with strategy. That used to be the situation back a couple of years ago when we were in the stratosphere and prices were just uh, going into orbit and you didn't need to even... You didn't have time to get the sign into the lawn for crying out loud and you had a half a dozen offers, cars parked at the in front right. of the house. Those days are gone. But a lot of people, for example, thinking of selling now uh, are remembering those days. That was the last time they were involved in the market. And so they've come up with a price, John, that they'd sit down and tell you, and you recognize immediately is just unrealistic. How do you go about convincing someone who wants to sell to get into what you call the success zone. And, and you know, you're right. Those days, well, they're gone for now. Uh, and, and they you may know, yet return. You've seen this you come and know. go a few times. You've been around <laughs> the block a few times. You never know. That's um, right. 
but uh, you know, pricing and and even commission structures and strategies that way. I mean, you, you got to look at the lay of the land, and you know, when it's winter, maybe you put your snow tires on and you drive slower. Uh, you know, things like this. Similar with the market, you have to come up with a strategy that fits the market that you're working in, the environment you're working in. But to answer your question, um, you know, for instance, I, I was referred to a really nice couple. I went and met with them last night. They have a condo out in the valley, and um, they had not been in the market for a long, long, long time. Okay. And um, they had heard that their neighbor had sold for a certain amount and all these things. And the numbers that they were giving me, I, I, couldn't, make, I couldn't make them work in my head. And so you asked me, what do you do? Well, right. you know, I bring my laptop and access to MLS, and there's price graphs, and there's all the information that I could help could use to help people make a good decision and we went through them one by one we talked about their building and the different buildings around them and you know properties that were rental restricted or age restricted and what the differences might be and how do we compare against this and that and then we you know you narrow it down to okay here's our here's our particular buyer here are their choices and if they have one two three four five choices that are all fifty thousand dollars less than what you're proposing to put on the market yeah i just you know i would you know Respectfully, I don't argue with people, but I would respectfully tell the truth as I understand it and mm-hmm. say, you know, I don't think you're going to get the offer for this reason, this reason, and this reason. Or you can look at sales. Hey, here's a bunch of sales. Well, maybe this one happened in February, March, April, or May. But when you look at the sales to active ratio, you know, certain months, of we, it was like a, a bottomless pit, the, the market in, in February, March, April, and May. A lot of sellers, well, not a lot, but some sellers who were very motivated ended up selling in a market where the buyers were scarce. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They probably didn't get as much as they may have now in September and October now that the buyers are reemerging. Even though the price graph doesn't necessarily show prices pushing up yet, I think people are more likely. So all of these things go into it. And when I meet with people, it, it might take a couple hours if they have that kind of time for me. Mm-hmm. But I can help people navigate that maze and really come to a place where in their heads they go, hey, you know what? I got it. Now I really see. Now with these particular, this couple I met, I'm hoping to do business with them. But the numbers weren't quite what they thought they might be. Right, right. And but that's, it, I'm, I'm sure that's not an, uh, an unusual case, especially for people who haven't been in the game for a while and whose last experience was dramatically different from what it is now. Yeah, it, it's not that unusual. Um, but I think most people have an open mind and they recognize they know so much. And I recognize that I'm not perfect. I'm not the market. I'll tell people, hey, here's my recommendation. Right. I could tell you the recommendation was half a million dollars higher, but would that matter? It doesn't really matter what I say. It's how able, how capable am I of interpreting the market and giving you good advice because the market is really going to judge your home. And it's not sellers. Sellers you know, don't decide sale prices. They decide list prices. Buyers are the ones that decide sale prices. Sellers can decide to sell or not sell, meet the market or don't, right. but it's the buyers who will ultimately decide what they think a property is worth and how much they can afford to pay. So again, all these things go into helping people figure out where is the smart point? Where do I price? How do I work this? How do I work that? A lot of stuff. So it's what I do for a living. I do it all the time. been doing it lots of years. And so it comes kind of natural to me at this point. And I take the approach that I'm here to help. I'm here to give good advice. And when I do that, I find, you know, the cards fall into place, as they say, and people generally hire me and ask me to work for them, and we get a good result for them. Let's talk about days on market, which is what you mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, and back in uh, back a couple of years ago, days on market was, was a fantasy. <laughs> Minutes on market, maybe maybe hours on market, and, and it was gone. You had so, to make people wait. That's right. So, And in those days, especially if something was on the market for more than, gosh, a week or two, then immediately your mind would go, well, there's something wrong. There's, there's something wrong. But now, even, even this much removed from those frantic days of a couple of years ago, being on market 
isn't as much of a penalty against a property as it was a couple of years ago, but it's still sort of frowned upon or it's seen as suspicious by some. And why is that? Well, you know, it's not the same as it was, and the standard has definitely changed. Like you said, hey, yeah. this hasn't sold in two days. What's wrong with oh, that? I know, well, yeah. We're exaggerating, but, you know, and I have people ask me sometimes, you know, how long has it been on the market? I've got a really great set of young first-time buyers, and I'm going out with them, and that's one of the questions they ask me. How long has this one been on the market, John? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can look back and look at the listing and see if it's been listed prior to all that sort of stuff. But I think here's the thing. It's not like, oh, it's been on a month. People don't think that's, that's a bad thing. But if you've been on the market maybe... 250 days and your price has not changed, I think the mentality of a buyer is, hmm, a lot of people have bought houses in this price range and they've not bought this when they bought others. Why would I buy it? Right. Um, So again, you you can become somewhat, uh, you know, stigmatized, I guess, if you're on the market a long, long, long time. And having said that, there's properties that have been on the market three or four or five months, and then they make a significant price reduction and they get sold. Well, so, that, was, that was what I was going to ask you next, because that you now see the big difference now, John, uh, from those d- days a couple of years ago, is that you do see price, new price, uh, uh, when you're flipping through MLS, and you'll see those little banners yeah. beside a property, which means it's been on, on, uh, 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 on market long enough for the seller to have determined Maybe I was asking too much in the first place. Or the motivation changes or those things. And, and I have people ask me, oh, a price reduction, would that be seen as a sign of weakness? Well, would and it, that's, be- it was, wasn't it? Well, I, I, perhaps, but I really don't see it that way. Um, Not in today's market. No, I don't think so, because it just shows that it's, you know, it's hard to necessarily hit the bullseye the first time, every time. Right. So some people, you know, I don't know about other agents, but I'm sure they share maybe some similar stories where you say, hey, you know, you probably want to list your property at seven ninety nine, and they say, well, let's try it at eight thirty five for a while first. Okay, it's not my money. As long as it kind of makes sense, it's my job to represent you and your house and get you the money you want. So sometimes you try it, you test the market. But a price reduction is is just saying, hey, you know what? We're prepared to keep an open mind and be in the game, and here's the proposition we're putting to the buyers. We've just made it a little sweeter, and feel free to come and make an offer. When people talk to you and they invite you the, to, to their homes to have that initial chat, do they tell you, well, you know, uh, we're, we're motivated. We'd like to, if there's been a job transfer or something like that, that's obvious. But uh, if, do people tell you, you know, we'd like, to, we'd like to get this deal done quickly. Or the opposite, you know, we'll take as long as it needs, as, as time needs, to get what we're after. What's the more common of those? Well, everybody's different. And I don't talk about motivation with a potential client until I've had a conversation about agency. Of because when I first meet someone, um, I have a duty to say, you know what, right now we don't have any agency relationship. Right. So anything you tell me, I don't owe you the duties of confidentiality. So if you were to list with someone else and give, tell me your motivation level, you know, so we have to have this conversation first. And oftentimes, because people want my expertise and they want me to provide what they call trading services, which mm-hmm. might include market evaluations and strategies and advice, I voluntarily step into the role of an agent so that I do owe them the duty of confidentiality. Then we can talk about these things. And some people will say, for instance, recently I spoke to someone that says, you know what, we've had our name on a waiting list for four years. We finally got the call that the place we want is available. So we want to devise a strategy to sell in 30 days or less. Wow, okay. So sometimes you get those. Mm-hmm. Other times, maybe people say, you know, I don't have to sell right now. I'd like to if I can get top dollar. And we, I sort of give my indication of what I think top dollar is. And if we're all on the same page, then we try that and we're not in a hurry. And then my advice to them would be, okay, well, don't expect necessarily an offer the very first time. Right. 
But it also depends on the property. Because if you have a somewhat unique small acreage or a, a house with a shop, an RV parking and a pool and a guest house, or you know these things, a whole bunch of things in one place that are hard to find, right. that's a little bit different. You've got a lot of leeway, a little bit of a, what I call a wild card factor. You don't know what someone might pay for all these things in one place. But if you're in a market where... I won't pick on condos, but condos are rather uniform uh, in a market that's heavily loaded with condos of the similar size and age of yours. Mm -hmm. And with a condo, I mean, yes, there are the overall concerns about the building and rules and regulations and, you know, financials and that sort of stuff. But really people walk in and they look at four walls and they see, hey, so in that case, you probably don't have as much leeway if there are 10 other places very similar to yours and around the same block that all have two bedrooms and two baths and granite countertops. Right. You have less leeway. So... Again, it's the entire picture. And again, the smart point refers to people, uh, me trying to help people figure out where is the best place. How do we maximize it? All right. Let's talk a little bit about new listings because I know you've got one. Let me just give the phone number first because uh, uh, someone listening to us right now may want to go and check this new listing out and get in touch with you uh, through the process. 604-612-0080. That's John Carlson's cell number. Give him two more minutes and I'll spring him and you can give him a call. 604-612-0080. John, what's the yeah. new listing? And, and my info is also on my website, johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, but this is brand new. You won't see it. Maybe you'll see it tonight, but as soon as it publishes, I've got a house in Port Coquitlam. And this is kind of a hot commodity because it's priced at seven ninety nine nine, which is a really nice price in this Lincoln Park area. Oh, Lincoln Park. Close okay, to school. Sure. You know, Skytrain's right there. Yeah. Not far away. So right. we're in a really great spot, a Poco. And uh, this is a three-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, split level. And the address is 1137 Blue Heron Crescent. So um, there's one of my newest listings, and you can go to my website to see others. And I'll invite people, if you're looking to uh, buy a property, sell a property, great, anywhere in Greater Vancouver, the Fraser Valley, go to my website or give me a call because I'm available, and I'll work for you and do the best job I can. And where do we find you uh, uh, at Blue Heron Crescent in Port Coquitlam? Is this Sunday afternoon uh, from... I don't have an open house schedule okay. for this one. Okay. There are this... tenants involved and that oh, sort okay. of thing. Right. Uh, but this is the kind of house where if, you know, a young family who wants their own piece of land, they don't want to be in a townhouse, they want a house that's well looked after and a good layout and... Uh, you know, this is this is priced nice, and it's a really good spot. So I highly recommend people check it out if you're looking for that kind of thing. Interesting stuff. John's number, by the way, friends, and you can uh, get a hold of him just a matter of seconds from now, is 604-612-0080. Again, 604-612-0080. And all of this, of course, is available on the website, johnnysmartpoint.ca. And, and, of course, there's the commission structure there on that grid. All the numbers are right up front. There's no surprises, no no hidden anything with dealing with John Carlson. He's a straight-up, upfront kind of guy. 604-612-0080. We're fresh out of time, John. I expect your phone's going to start ringing in a matter of seconds. So let me say thanks for this, and we'll get up to you in a few weeks. I'm ready. Thank you. All right. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to John Carlson for another informative visit. Next week, the people from Branton Wealth will be back to talk about Forex, the world's largest trading platform. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time, our producer, Ben Dooley, takes a look at how to vote on Monday. Thanks, Sterling. The day is almost here. The Canadians cast a vote in the 2019 federal election. Voting day is on Monday, and we'll likely see millions of voters in B.C. alone cast ballots throughout the province. Here's Marie-France Kenny from Elections Canada explaining what you need to know for voting day. 
If you have received a voter information card and it has your correct name address, then you are registered to vote. If you haven't received one, chances are you haven't updated, you, you may have moved, changed your name, um, or you're not on the, the voters list, then you need to register. And if you haven't registered yet, you can still do so at an Elections Canada office and during regular poll. So if you did get a voter information card, that's uh, the, the, and the information is accurate, that's where you need to go. Uh, if you didn't get one, you can still go online at elections.ca and type in your postal code. It'll tell you where to go. To, uh, it'll tell you the voting times. You can even find out who the candidates are in your writing. And you need to bring something to prove your address and your identity. So if you have a valid driver's license with your current address on it, you're good to go. And if you don't, then you need to bring two pieces of ID, both with your names and one with your address. So if you did get that voter information card, that would count as one piece of ID. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Well, thank you very much, Ben. Advanced polling, by the way, happened last weekend, and the numbers were way up. Let's hope lots of Canadians take a moment on Monday. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. Airbnb users in Quebec have reached a settlement with the company after suing Airbnb over pricing transparency that has changed the way the company displays prices right across Canada. Customers launched a class action case in 2017, claiming the company added between 13 and 17 percent to the total price as service fees at the last stop of checkout, and that, they said, was a violation of Quebec's Consumer Protection Act. Effective this June, Airbnb changed the way it displays pricing on the website to include guest fees in the search results page to provide a more all-inclusive price. The company also said it has made those changes right across Canada. They say they won't comment much more because the matter is still before the courts, but they will have more to say later as they've already reached out to those impacted by the previous pricing system. Airbnb denied it violated the law, but the two sides reached a settlement on the lawsuit in September that will see Quebec users potentially given up to $45 each in Airbnb credits. The lawyers for the behind this suit say the settlement could be worth up to $3 million in credits. The decision is expected December 3rd. Pedestrian safety is the new focus of ICBC's campaign for the upcoming months. The number of pedestrians who are injured in crashes almost doubles as the winter season slowly arrives with weather changes and shorter daylight hours. Here on the Lower Mainland over the last five years, an average of 2,300 crashes and 1,200 pedestrians injure occur between every October and January. Drivers need to take extra time to look for pedestrians when turning and avoid distractions while driving. Pedestrians can stay safe by making eye contact and be aware of drivers making turns at intersection. And phones in crosswalks, really? ICBC reminds us it's harder to see now and warns crashes with pedestrians are highest between 3 and 6 p.m. every day when most of us are commuting home from school and work. Drivers, focus on the road and leave your phone alone. That is our program for today. I'm Sterling Fox reminding you, don't forget to take a moment, if you haven't already, and exercise your right to vote on Monday. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.